16. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, 1 through 16, he's, he's talking about Christians, those who put their faith in Christ, no longer have to live in the darkness, but rather we are children of light. So be who you are. Be who you are, not in yourself, but in Christ. That's what Paul's talking about here. And so what does that mean? Let's uh, follow along together as I read Ephesians 5, 1 through 16. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Let's pray for God's word. Dear Lord, we come before you for you to speak to us this morning, for you to speak truth through me that I would add nothing to your word or detract nothing from it that you would embolden the timid, that you would strengthen the weak, that you would raise up the downcast, that you would humble the pride, O God. For you are God three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we come before you now and we ask you to speak, O God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we move into Ephesians 5, it's a bit of a shift from what Walt was preaching last week. And he was talking about how God builds his church by giving gifts to individuals by his grace. And as you read in the end of chapter 4, you see that Paul talks about a shift to to what the new life is in Christ looks like. So there's a bit of a shift. And as we move into Ephesians 5, Paul is talking about a new life in Christ as a child of light. So what does that mean? And so Paul continues to contrast an issue, an issue that is one of the biggest issues in the Christian life, and therefore one of the biggest issues in life, period. Because the only life that will awaken us to see the dangers of darkness and to live in the life is the Christian life. And therefore, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call for us. It's a wake-up call for three types of people. 
It's a wake-up call to Christians who are living in obedience to God and his word. And it's a wake-up call to them to keep going. This is, a, this is encouragement. This is a letter of encouragement to keep going in that life of obedience to God and depending on Christ. It's a wake-up call to Christians who, have, who are backsliding in the Christian faith, who are living in darkness and unrepentant sin, perhaps. And it's a wake-up call to them to see darkness as it truly is and what it leads to destruction. And it's also a wake-up call to non-Christians It's a wake-up call to see darkness for what it truly is and that it will lead to destruction, death, and emptiness. So it's a wake-up call to us. And this wake-up call is found directly in verses 13 through 14. It says, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So it's a wake-up call from darkness. We need to understand what darkness means. And where do we go for this definition? We go to God's Word. We don't look to the world for the definition. We look how God defines it. And so God defines darkness simply throughout the Bible from a Christian perspective, and it's living a life apart from God. It's a living a life apart from God and His Word. And and Paul talks about some of these outward actions that are displayed in living a life apart from God. He starts in verse 3, says, Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, idolatry, putting things above God in your life, looking to things that above God in your life, crude joking, foolish talk, the list goes on. But what this, te- what this text says in contrast about this, the Christian life is absolutely indispensable for this reason. Only one life leads to glory, the Christian life. And therefore, not to know that life and to walk on it would mean you don't have eternal life anymore and see Christ face to face in glory. So this is huge. Ephesians 5 is huge. And so the Christian life is defined by being who you are, being who you are in Christ, not yourself, but who you are in Christ, to walk as children of light. And therefore, what is spoken of in this chapter is of relevance to every human being. It doesn't matter whether you call yourself a Christian or not. Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, spiritualist, agnostic, call yourself what you may. But what the Bible says in Ephesians 5 about the Christian life is absolutely indispensable. Only one life leads to glory. I remember a time when I didn't didn't think darkness was as dangerous as it was. When I was a kid, growing up in Baltimore, me and my, friend, my friends and I, we, we would attend these carnivals throughout the area, and, and we would help out, and uh, we would get paid a small, a small, um, small paycheck for, for helping out. And, and so we saw a couple rolls of tickets, and they used these tickets of different colors at these carnivals. And we decided at the end of the carnival, nobody was around, we decided to steal these tickets and use them at the following carnival the next week. And so, as we approached the next carnival, the following carnival, the following week, we uh, started to buy funnel cakes, play games, and do all sorts of things and ride rides. And and all of a sudden, I remember a man walking up to me, and um, uh, as the different people in the stands were saying that we were using different colored tickets for for this carnival, and as he walked up to me, he's like, "Are are you using these tickets for this carnival of a different color? And you know... And you know that these tickets are, the different, are different color than what was supposed to be purchased. And with nothing else to say, I said yes. And the, the consequences there, I did not realize the danger of darkness in that instant. When I was a young man, in, around 12 years old, 
And so, so we sometimes don't realize the danger of darkness in our own lives. The outcome of the story is not important. What's important is I didn't realize the danger of it, of the darkness that I encountered. And so why is this important for us? Why, why is it important for us? What is Ephesians 5 talking about that makes this important for us to know why d- darkness is dangerous? Well, God wants to protect us from darkness and, and the, the dangers that can rot us from the inside and rot the church body from the inside out. And so it's not a matter of thinking what's right and wrong. Most of the time we know what's right and we know what's, what's wrong. Rather, it's a matter of not knowing how dangerous darkness could be and the consequences therein. But Ephesians 5, 1 through 16 says that because your identity is light in Christ, walk as children of light. Verse 8, it's clear. It says, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So why are we children of light? Well, verse 8 says that our identity is in Christ who is the light. He's the foundation of our light. And so God has made us light. By what? Verse 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Christ gave himself up for us. That's why we're children of light. To be freed from the power and lure of darkness, to be like him. So how is a child of light described? Ephesians talks about this clearly throughout. In Ephesians 2.10, is one clear statement for this. It says, For We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them, that we should walk as children of light, because Christ is our light and our foundation. Therefore, because Christ gave himself up for us, our identity is that we are light in Christ, and therefore we can now have the ability to, and therefore we must walk as children of light. In doing this, the text says we must expose the darkness, verses 11 through 13. It says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So what is Paul saying here when he says expose? Well, the Greek original language gives meaning to this. It talks about, it means reproving or convicting, correcting, um, by exposing in, in truth and love. And so it includes abstaining from giving any assistance or consent to people who are living in darkness, to the darkness that you encounter. Because if you consent or give assistance to it, then in all these ways you are taking part in the darkness. But Paul's not saying have nothing to do with darkness. Rather, he's just saying to expose it. Being in the world and not of the world. We're born into it. We don't have a choice. We are in the world. But don't be of the world. What does that mean? Not being of the world is to seek to engage, to reprove, to redeem our culture. Overall, we must decide to practice the culture or practice the faith. By all means, adapt to the culture, but never adapt to the culture by sacrificing biblical principle, but rather have your faith as your cornerstone, your faith in Christ, and as a child of light, seek to redeem and to restore our culture. So the Bible says that we must first die to self and give ourselves for making Christ shine in the darkness. The world says we expose the darkness by facts, graphic images, giving a lot of data about things that are not very good or bad. And most of the time, they don't provide any true hope 
of redeeming that brokenness and that darkness. One other example would be revealing, only revealing the darkness of a person who, ha- who may have experienced some of the symptoms of post-abortion stress. For example, it would go like this. Post-abortion stress may include guilt, anxiety, psychological numbing, depression and thoughts of suicide, anniversary syndrome, re-experiencing the abortion, preoccupation with becoming pregnant again, anxiety over fertility and childbearing, interruption of bonding process with present future children, survival guilt, development of eating disorder, alcohol and drug abuse, self-punishing or self-degrading behaviors, and brief reactive psychosis. And then it would stop there. That's it. No hope of redemption. That's depressing. Rather, how is a child of light to expose the darkness rather than how the world exposes the darkness? First, we must consider the context. For example, some people who walk into CareNet Pregnancy Center believe that abortion is the only option, but CareNet helps them to see other options, that there are other options. Two, we must consider the motive. There will be people who will walk down the path of abortion because they believe that they are alone and that there's no hope of redeeming their situation. But there is hope, and there is a post-abortion care. One, one form of this would be a confidential interpersonal Bible study that walks women through the healing and hope found in Jesus Christ alone. This brings light in the darkness when there seems that all is lost. So if you've had an abortion or multiple abortions, then don't hesitate to reach out to CareNet. And to reach out to them where my, life, my wife helps lead this post-abortion Bible study in this ministry. And so thirdly, we must consider the danger of darkness. Verse 14 is, is clear. Awake, O sleeper. Understanding that Darkness leads to emptiness, and death should awaken us to this. It should awaken us to, and compel us not only to abstain from it ourselves, but also to help expose it for the sake of leading others away from the darkness and the destruction therein. And so Romans one twenty one talks about what happens to our thinking when we're in darkness. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they came futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Sometimes our reasoning can get confused. It it can get clouded by the darkness, and we don't particularly know what to do. And so if you feel like you're alone, you are not. So call out to God, and maybe this is even your first time, that there is hope, and I assure you, there is hope in the darkness. So overall, exposing doesn't mean you gossip or slander about another person. By no means, you don't do that. But rather, it's a process of correcting, convincing through an argument or discussion and out of love for the other person, of seeking, them, seeking to redeem them out of the darkness that they are in. And so verse 14, it, it says, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's not that you need to awaken by your own self-determination in order to, for Christ to shine on you. No, it, works, it doesn't work like that. The Bible is clear about how, call it an inward persuasion, that, that God works in your heart to awaken and open your eyes and open your hearts to the truth of the darkness, that God acts first by his grace 
to awaken us to it. And, and Christ shines on you so that you may be a light and a light to others in redeeming yourself and others. And so our ultimate aim is to reflect the light of Christ. And so that is to live out, live that out, the light of Christ, and reflect that to others so that you may rescue others from the darkness. A personal testimony of a person who has been rescued from the darkness by Christ through a post-abortion Bible study is as follows. This is what she says. She says, For the last 19 years, I have carried the secret of abortion with me wherever I went. The secret I hid for so long was literally screaming out to get it in the open. I wanted to be freed and forgiven from my past abortion, but I really did not know where to turn or who I could turn to. Every Sunday, I carried the secret with me and wondered if anyone else sitting by me knew the pain of abortion or if, some, or if in some way their life has been touched by this atrocity. There has been numerous Sundays in worship. I just wanted to stand up and scream out that I had an abortion and that I needed help. Through a friend within the church, I found out about surrendering the secret, which is a post-abortion Bible study, and through gathering the, church, the courage to attend this study, I found out that I was not the only Christian woman seeking healing from a past abortion. I met women from other churches that were feeling the same way as I was, lonely in the church. In this amazing Bible study, I was able, by God's grace and mercy, to, mercy, to totally surrender my abortion to God. The cries of unborn life may be unheard of by men, but God hears the cries from every child lost to abortion as well as the, cry, as well as the cries of mother. Abortion no longer defines me. God does not see me as the young girl who had an abortion, but as his precious daughter, bought with a price, cherished and loved by him. God has graciously shown me how to live for him. Thanks be to God for those willing to be Jesus' hands and feet to women who are hurting. Let us also be a light to others in need of rescuing them from the darkness. We must not only expose the darkness by being children of light, but we must also discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Why is, why is Paul saying discern? There's a reason why he's saying discern. He's not just throwing it in there. This fits good. He's, he's saying it for a reason. And in verse, verse 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So he's saying that there were false teachers in the church making false claims. Perhaps one of them would have been that Christians can lead unrepentant, sinful lives. And 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9 also talks about this very clearly. That it will lead to the wrath of God due to disobedience to God's word. Verse 7 says, it says, therefore, do not become partners with them. This means that don't believe their teaching. If it doesn't line up with God's word, then don't believe it. Throw it out. And so... Verse 10 goes on, and it says it clearly. It says, uh, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't neglect the means of grace, and, and, or you deny the possibility of discernment. And the means of grace in this passage are these very instructions. God's word saying, discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And, and our ultimate reference point is the Bible, not our own experience. That would be a limited perspective. Rather, it's... it's the Bible and God's Word speaking to us. And it is necessary for us to discern because everyone is trying to make sense of this life and its tragedies. Lisa Beamer 
wife of 9-11 hero Todd Beamer on Flight 93, one of the airplanes, one of the four airplanes that crashed into Shanksville, Pennsylvania, that actually prevented the, the airplane from crashing into the possi possibly the White House or, or the, the United States Capitol. Lisa Beamer is the husband, I mean, is the wife of, of Todd Beamer with uh, three kids as Todd Beamer is one of the victims who died preventing this crash into the White House, but, but still crashed into Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Lisa Beamer became a popular icon in the United States, and also she became a popular icon in the Christian community as well during this time. And, and she was, where she was um, asked to do numerous interviews on CNN, and also she wrote a book called Let's Roll, a great story of, of how she brought God into this whole tragedy in her life. And um, she appeared on Larry King Live 11 times, and she never ceased to bring God into the picture regardless of, this, of her tragedy. She was trying to make sense of this life and its events on what was pleasing to the Lord. She notes that without God, the world is hopeless. <clears throat> she notes that at the crash site, she attended the memorial service in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, which was on Monday in Pennsylvania with the rest of the victims and the family. Um, and the day before, she was at a Christ-centered memorial service for Todd as she was strengthened, she says. But she says here, on Monday, as I listened to the well-intentioned speakers who were doing their best to comfort, but with little, if any, direct reference to the power of God to sustain us, I felt like I was sliding helplessly down a high mountain into a deep crevice. As much as I appreciated the kindness of the wonderful people who tried to encourage us, that afternoon was actually one of the lowest points in my grieving. It wasn't the people or the event or the place. Instead, it struck me how hopeless the world is when God is factored out of the equation. In the tragedies of this life, sometimes people look to other things but God. But if you try to make sense of this life and its tragedies without him, it's hopeless. It won't work. So I plead with you, don't factor God out of your life, but trust him with your life no matter what happens. No matter what darkness you encounter, instead discern what is pleasing to the Lord because that's your only hope in Christ. So how do we specifically discern what is pleasing to God? It's simple. Spend time with God. Read his word. Pray to him. Meditate over scripture, worship him, spend time with him. And when we spend time with God and our reference point is his word, we will rightly discern what is pleasing to God. We will. We must not only discern what is pleasing to God, but we must also make the best use of our time. First, that's a radical statement. Make the best use of your time. Okay, what does that mean particularly? So Paul points... First, we must see that Paul is pointing to a change, a change in the Ephesians, a change in us. For at one time, in verse 8, it says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so he's pointing to a change that we have been changed from darkness to light. That we are not only light in Christ, but we are to reflect outwardly the light of Christ as society. And so this is not only to seek to seek light or to live in it. Otherwise, the Christian life wouldn't be any different from any other religion or philosophy in the world. Rather, becoming a Christian involves a change from darkness to light. There is a transformation that happens. It's not just an outward behavioral modification. Rather, it's an inward transformation that God does. 
And, this, and in our presence as light, with Christ as our foundation, is hope to a hurting world as together we stand against the powers of darkness. John 1.5 talks about this and how the power of light, Christ's light, is greater than darkness. He says, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That Christ's light is more powerful than the darkness you encounter. More powerful than the tragedies of this life. More power than anything that you can see in your vision now and in the past and in the future. That God is above all things and Christ has defeated the darkness. And so the kingdom of God is here but not fully yet. And so we can look here in the now that we have the power of darkness where Walt preached weeks ago in early in the, on Ephesians where we have the spiritual gift. We have spiritual gifts from God in the heavenly places that overcome the power of darkness. And we can look forward to the future where we see Christ face to face where all darkness is destroyed. That's a beautiful thing to look forward to when we face tragedy. Verses 15 through 16 says then, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And so most Christians don't see uh, time as important as it really is, but we are fixed in time and space. We are born into a time that we have not a choosing over, but God has that choosing. So if you chart it out, rather, instead of asking the question, why am I born into this time? Rather, ask, there's 168 hours in a week. What should I do with my time? What do, how, do, how do I spend my time? That could reveal a lot of things in making the best use of our time. So it matters how we spend our time. And where biblical scholar Robert Boyle puts it, he says, We are in a real drama, not a madman's nightmare or tissue of flimsy dreams, but this drama is being enacted on the stage of human history. A real conflict between good and evil is taking place. Events do matter. And something is being achieved irrespective of our apparent success or failure. So making the best use of the time is to take part in this conflict, to make an impact for the world in the name of Jesus. And so how can we make the best use of our time for Christ to shine in and through us? How can we do that? Well, on one side, most people here are really busy. We have a lot of things going on, busy schedules with family, school, ministries, you name it. But God gives us purpose that our lives are so much bigger than our own schedules and ourselves. And this means we might not have to be flexible at times to care for another person and throw out our schedule. And we may see it as productive, but actually God sees that as productive. On the other side, some of you may think, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Therefore, it would make sense for you to increase your enjoyment in the now, because your belief is that my best, your best life is in the now. But God's word calls you, to, calls you to something greater. It calls you to something greater and frees you from this way of thinking. It frees you into a true and peaceful way of thinking toward eternal life. That the best life we will live will be with Christ face to face when he makes all things new. And we can taste that in the here and the now. So overall, God has created us for a purpose. He created us for a purpose, yet we have failed to live up to that purpose. We have failed miserably. But Christ frees us from ourselves to something greater than ourselves. He frees us by giving himself up for us on the cross, that he died for us on the cross, taking upon all our sins as the scapegoat, nailed to the cross, living a perfect life, taking upon the punishment that we deserved, and giving us a new life through his resurrection, through conquering all darkness by raising from the grave. 
thus setting us free. And when we come before him through repentance and faith alone in him alone, we experience that we can be adaptable, that we have the power of light as, ch- as children of light. And we can look forward to when all darkness is made to nothing. And Christ, the light, will reign here and forevermore. That compels us to want to live as children of light. The good news is that I was wandering in the darkness, but now Christ has set me free by his light. 2 Corinthians 4.6 says this clearly. It says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful, what a beautiful promise that God changed us and transformed us from the darkness that was in ourselves and how we can be a light to others with Christ as we depend on So walking as children of light is to be who you are in Christ. It's your identity. So be who you were called to be. That's your identity in Christ, not yourself, but in Christ. And this is what Paul's saying. He says, be who you are to be. Be who you were called to be. And this encourages us to be a light to the world by exposing the darkness, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord, and making the best use of our time. The Christian life is a reversal from walking as children of darkness to walking as children of light. We, com- we become a new person, and it's a transformation in ourselves. And so Paul in Ephesians is clearly stating that God is making a spiritually alive person from a spiritually dead person and uniting them in the church body, strengthening the church body to be a light to society. Ephesians 2, 4, 22 through 24 also says it another way. It says, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the, in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and in true righteousness and holiness. To put on the new self as children of light. And so I have to throw in a John Stott quote, otherwise Walt might be disappointed. So, the Christian life, he says... The Christian life that is described in Ephesians 5 is that holiness is not a condition that we fall into. Rather, it is an active working out of what has already been worked into us by God's grace. This is not easy, but it is the only hope for our society. So therefore, because your identity is light in Christ, let us walk as children of light by exposing the darkness, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord, and making the best use of our time that God has graciously given to us. Let us not walk as children of darkness and its tragic dangers. Rather, let us walk as children of light because of the grace that God has first shown us in Christ and continues to work out in and through us for his glory and his good because it's better than darkness. Let's pray together. Father God, we give you thanks and praise for your word to us this morning. We ask that you would implant this word in our hearts to live out here this morning, this day, this week, this month, 
this year and forevermore, that you are our light, that we look to you. You are our identity, not ourselves, but you are. What a solid rock foundation that not the world has. So help us to expose the darkness by speaking truth in love and redeeming our culture. Help us discern what is pleasing to you by using our reference point as your word and spending time with you and making the best use of our time. For the days are evil, but your light is greater than the darkness. Let us walk as children of light. Oh God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We thank God for his word now faithfully preached, and we pray that it would shine that light into our hearts that we may be able to walk as children of light. And that is not a walk that we'd make alone. So please rise as we sing.
Bye. 